Hi guys, and welcome to the seventh podcast of um, Africa Sports Unified. I'm back again, myself, Gabriel, obviously, with uh, Paul and Ari with me. Hey guys, how you doing? So we hope you guys are good. Uh, again, thanks for listening to the previous podcast on um, uh, athletics and you know, Senegal and Dakar 2022. Again, it's a bit different, wasn't football, but still good to be informative of what's going on. And now today, we're going to talk about something that's uh, quite passionate, and I'm not passionate is the word. But, um, it's a serious topic, isn't it's it? It's a serious topic, yeah. yeah. It is a serious topic. We're going to talk about um, slave trade. So there's a recent video on YouTube. I'll post a link at the bottom so you guys can um, have a look at it. By a company called Tifo Football. They're really good. They do narrations, animations, sorry, on football topics. It's like sports business topics. And they've done one on the, um, <clears throat> on the African slave trade, which is really good. So we're going to discuss that, how that impacts the market, and just everything around it, you know, involving agents, involving football, involving like sports back home in Africa, and how that's affected, or the effects of European sport back in Africa. So before we start, let me just uh, read a quote that I found online. Again, I'll post a link at the bottom. But it says, it's no secret that foreign interests have long exploited Africa's resources. Oil, gold, diamonds, and of course people. What isn't widely known is that in 2018, Africa is now mined for its athletes. For many young soccer players around the world, a professional career under the bright lights of Europe's famous stadiums is all the stuff dreams are made of. Playing for a big club comes with big rewards, even by European or North American standards. When a door opens a pro contract in Europe, it's difficult to not step through and see what's on the other side, especially for a hopeful African player who often has to contend with a daily grind of poverty at home. So I think that statement or that sentence, well, those paragraphs are really poignant, like important to. But just to give a bit of context behind that video, the TIFO video, again, you guys click the link, have a look. But it goes through, it goes through loads of stuff goes through everything about how it started, about the BBC article by the, I think it's the current Togo manager. Um, it just goes into many things about how it is in the market. But to start off with, let's just give a bit of a context or our thoughts around the, um, the, the structure of sports in Africa, how many teams and organizations run in terms of football. So you guys, what do you think still, what's your interpretation of the structure like back home. Um, you gonna have to help me out with that question. <laughs> so that regarding, so you know, loads of teams, you know, quite their um, what's the word? Their um, their structure of business basically is to generate or bring up loads of young talent and then send mm-hmm. them over to um, to, to Europe. Europe. Okay. Yeah, so to their, their business model. Their business model. That's the okay, word. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously. In terms of talent, in inverting commas I'm doing over here, these African players are strong, mm-hmm. quick, yeah. what is it, um, powerful, yeah. Yeah. all, all, all of those words that yeah. we've heard before, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yeah, like it's been seen, like European clubs coming to Africa to try and tap them whilst they're young, especially due to, you know, lack of maybe transparency mm-hmm. in terms of how things are running. Yeah. Um, I guess I just answered the question myself. To be fair, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the yeah. with the model or or the structure. Maybe more regulation, um, and obviously that kind of is a, a, a of transparency is a yeah. byproduct of the regulation. So um, I think you find many clubs in Europe have the same model, produce mm. players and and sell them on, but there's a lot more regulation and and rules yeah. regarding that. So I don't think there's a problem. We don't think there's a problem with that model, or I don't think there's a problem with that model at all. I think there's a problem with the the infrastructure around it. So mm. uh, the academies, the rules on well, there are rules in place. It seems, yeah. but those seem to be disregarded. So maybe the enforcement of of the rules or of Article 19, for example. Yeah, yeah. Harry, what do you think? Um, the structure of national teams and the FAs are probably more at fault. Than the structure of the clubs, yeah. Um, than anything else, no, is is a, is a leagues that are faulty, not the national 
associations. So yeah. you have the FA, you have the leagues, <coughs> separate mm. entities in all countries, um, majority of countries anyway, apart from a few. So the leagues more at fault, the clubs are at fault. Um, yes, the FA has to uh, put criteria in regards to coaching. Yeah. And what standards has to be met and so forth. Um, the FA has to abide by that as well mm. by each country. And then you also got this, the poverty that's existed within it, within the countries as yeah. well. Um, there's also agents, not just based in Africa, are doing it. There's also agents of diasporas who are also doing it. Yeah, so, yeah. in the essence, there, everyone sees football and the seafood business as a market just to get a quick buck. Yeah. Because the essence of it, you can get money with one transfer, you make a deal, and then so forth. Yeah. And there's so many agents across Europe who are, you know, not African oriented. I'm just saying agents in general, mm -hmm. like. Everywhere in Europe, from the Scandinavians to the Mediterranean countries, yep. the Eastern European countries that are doing it. So, it's everyone in general. They know where the money is, mm. and African talents where the money is. And but it's it's the leagues that in Africa that probably should put things in place that will allow them to nurture their own talent. In the essence that they, there's there's a pathway for these kids, mm. education system that's in place that allows them to have knowledge of what's going on with regards to false agencies but also um, education that allows them to excel outside football because when they put the whole heart into football, there's nothing else for them. Mm. So they try to look for whatever ways is necessary for them to move to Europe to, to get there. Would you guys think, you're talking about, <clears throat> like it's a governance issue at heart, what you're mentioning quite a bit there. Yeah. Would you think FIFA can do more to try and curb what's happening? Because as Paul mentioned already, about FIFA um, Article 19, was put in place like is it um, kids who are below the age of 18, 18 couldn't yeah. move abroad Unless obviously yeah 30 minutes of a border you have to read the the, yeah. uh, the small print, the small print yeah. because there are loopholes in there but they tried to put that in place i think it was 2003 yeah but even when that came into place years down the line these things were still happening so like and even now with the agents market like yeah. fifa just deregulate that whole thing so there's no yeah there's i no, mean like exam or central I think Aris you know? raised some good points in that you know some agency as a as a quick it's a cash cow so you can make a quick buck off of it. Um, and if I'm going to be brutally honest, again, I don't think that's totally a problem if you're going to Africa to mm. to exploit. Seen as a bad word, it maybe is a bad word. Sometimes it's not. You're going to exploit a business opportunity. Yeah. I think the problem is whereby you have agents who are basically taking the money off kids yeah. who know they're not going to to make it yeah. um i think that the, there's a near video the tifo video i think you find there's two examples mm. an agent will convince a, a player's family to to go and find some money yeah. give up all their savings mm. and basically just take that money to be yeah. honest or they'll take a kid to a trial leave that kid stranded mm. and that's the end of it so if you know if the, an agent is trying to to go and get some talent and force through a genuine transfer and it works out, they make money great, it doesn't work out, but he, you know, still sends the kid back and allows him to make a way back home, as it were. I think that's fine, but I think where there's a big problem is actually there's so many cases where the agents get the money saved from the family, for example, mm. they bring the kid over to Europe and the kid has the kid has to struggle to eat every day. That's that's a bit of a problem. Or the yeah. kid is then forced into, uh, I think we've heard of basically sex, sex trade, yeah, sex trade, trafficking, yeah. human trafficking. So that's where it is really a problem. Of course, people exploiting Africa's talent and not really caring about the African model market. People is also a problem, but I think the bigger problem here is welfare of these players that are going and then having to struggle to eat or being forced into human trafficking or sex trafficking or whatever, whatever mm. it may be. So yeah, the, the thing is. Those you say agents, they're not even agents that are doing it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, and that's what the key problem is. Um, in other business, um, in business in Africa, that when you're doing anything, there's some certificates that you have to provide to, to government officials. Yeah. You know, and certain certificates you have to provide for certain elements of things that you you require or want to acquire in general. But in that model of agency, first of all, people are setting up their own academies and soccer camps anyway, yeah. Yeah. which are not really licensed, not really properly run, yeah. regardless of where they're coming from, from even European teams here yep. in Europe, from, I don't mention the name, Premier League clubs, La Liga clubs, whatever, they're setting up their own academies. Yeah. These academies have no, they might have affiliation, yes, they're doing it for money-orientated activities, for sure, but it's not really the essence of getting a player back into Europe. There's no, 
less incentives than that. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what any European clubs say, but it's, it's, it's the truth. Everyone wants to make money from it, and it's brand licensing. And through the through these kind of things, the parents will pay money to, to these clubs. They get into these academies, which I think is completely wrong anyway. Yeah. In, in general, um, and then an, an agent or a person will come will say to the parent, "Look, you, he, he's, he's got a profile in being in this academy or being in this thing, but which he paid for in reality." Let's use this now and take him to pay some money to take him to Europe. And he's not really an agent himself, but he just knows that he's able to generate money from this child, you yeah. know. So, and that's a the problem. There's no certificates or no nothing that will certify these yeah. people that are doing this business, or there's no government guidelines in the yes. African countries or the, or the leagues or anything like that, or there's too many people just there that are trying to run into the football business, but yeah. there's no guidelines in regards to providing. I don't use the example of business I do, but you need to provide a certain certificate in regards to doing or acquiring anything. You need to provide some papers to say that, yes, this is what I'm trying to get or this mm-hmm. is what I'm buying. But the governments are not in place. They don't allow it. It's not, I don't harm them governments because everyone can just scout anyone from the streets yeah. and just take them to the thing. So it just, it's, it's hard to pr- show any kind of proof and identity to... You might, you might show it to the trade minister. I don't know. It's something that... If, if you're taking something out of the country, yeah. you show it to customs, you know. Where's the paperwork? Where's the invitation that are? Yeah, that, that's going on. You know, you can't just come just anyhow, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And and to be fair, up. my previous experience in doing transfers in Africa or attempting transfers in Africa is every club that we tried it with, there's always the the clubs that we've done a transfer with and all the young people that's that's moving across. There's always been a request of an invitation letter from the club in Europe or the club in Egypt yeah. per se, wherever it is. But it's, there has to be an invitation letter to show look. This club is interested in you, yeah. or this club wants your, your you know, something that's shown mm. that he's coming for a purpose. Not, but yeah. obviously, you need to make sure that letter is official because yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly letter. what I was that's just about to say. That. That's <laughs> not a problem generating a request for yeah. invitation. I think there's so many different, um, there's, there's, there's other kind of aspects to this as well. One being that, do you know what? It, it might sound bad, but if I'm a young African. First of all, I think a lot of uh, Africans, some Africans, I should say, have a perception of of Europe, for example, whereby they think maybe it's better, it's it's easier, land of milk and honey. Yeah. So if I know I'm a footballer and I know really maybe deep down, I know I'm not that good, but an agent says to me he's going to take me to Europe. I'm thinking past football, probably I'm thinking of a better life. Yeah. Not knowing that maybe I'm going to be exploited later on. Mm -hmm. So I think there's also that kind of it's almost easy for, yeah. for a guy to say, I'm going to promise you a career in football when actually uh, career in football is, a, is amazing. I'm just mm. trying to have a better life in, in, in general. general. So if, once I get over there, I'm sure I'll be able to figure it out, yeah. which might be the mentality of, of some of the players that have been taken over and been exploited. Only to realise, actually, you know, I'm in a bad situation. I mean, we've, we've, all, we've all experienced it, like speaking to maybe clubs or guys who are back in Nigeria or right. in Africa in general. And they're just so... Like I'm so, they're just so eager. Obviously, if you're coming straight to the UK, it's one thing. No disrespect to other nations, but they they're so eager to come to like minuscule countries and like proper fifth tier, yeah. lower league. And I'm the like, the thing is, you can't get into the UK if you've got an international appearance. Yeah. So, and and the, so anyone promises that is is they're lying anyway in general. But I mean, they they are lying exactly. Yeah. But as a as an eager naive kid in Africa, mm. I I don't know that. Yeah. So education structures had to be put in place, and in most of the things, just it's just workshops t- to school these things t- to young people. Mm. And in, in regards to Togo, and that's what we're doing with, with the Togo Federation and Togo League to make sure that the kids are clued up and understanding there is a policy behind it. And you know, you just can't be giving money to people that, who are not licensed in some sense. So mm. it's annoying. It's a it, it runs so deep, man. It's just. I think there's, there's another side to it is actually to make it less prevalent is to actually heavily punish anyone who is found exploiting yeah. uh, these these kids. Who punishes it? Is it FIFA or is it the criminal the courts? The local, yeah, it's true. Because FIFA that, are not in a position to... They're they, they, they to ban you from football, but who, who means banning you from football? Like, banning you from football won't stop you, really. But, and, and you say banning from football, but... These agents are very common. They're rogues, so they they they. You know, I mean, football exactly. Yeah, so. So it could be the the courts, but you know how FIFA on football, they don't want no interference from like governors or public bodies and stuff like that. So. I mean, well, we have tricky. seen extreme cases of trafficking and etc. I mean, I'm I'm not too sure what the outcomes were on those, but I would hope obviously that those would have been criminally yeah. convicted. Yeah. Of course, yeah. There are some players 
we can speak good light on. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's the names, but they're playing in the Premier League now and playing in Liverpool. Oh that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. actually, in some sense, went to the same process. Me for the same process mm-hmm. of paying mm. individuals and being to where they are. And is it's happened in a few cases where obviously you get good um, good stories behind it. But of yeah. course, yeah. Obviously, France is probably the worst country on the continent in regards to how kids are sleeping in the streets. Like, um, Sanogo, he spoke about it freely that he was sleeping in the streets, mm. you know, um, for a while. Sanogo, former Arsenal player, yeah, yeah so, striker. Um, but you have so many kids from because Cameroon's got so much open academies in Cameroon yeah. that are not just any any other country. They yeah. got academies all over, and these individuals literally are targeted by a lot of. Nationals in, in France because they know a lot of players yeah, from, the, yeah. from the league first, and for some reason, no, well, we know the reason why mm. they end up in, on the streets in reality in, yeah. in France. So it is a shame. Yeah, as you mentioned, Harry, there's loads of um, academies that aren't licensed, and even touching back to the uh, TIFO video, they mentioned like the three tier, like like academy system or structure mm. in Africa. So you have the unlicensed ones, or they call it roadside ones, that are just unlicensed. So any transaction between like an agent or club and that roadside agency, like the money is not, it's classed as illegal, but obviously it still goes on. Then you have the next tier, which is the smaller ones, and their sole profit is just to raise young talent, send them onto Europe, get some money, reinvest it, or do whatever they want with the money. And then the top tier ones are ones that you have a lot of money are backed by like brands and your clubs from Europe who yeah. are just... Yeah, I don't know. An affiliate academy if they have first first dibs to all the talent and stuff like that there. Um, but there is an example actually. You mentioned um, uh, the Liverpool player, Mane. Mentioned Sadio, yeah, top I guy. I to say that. <laughs> well, um, I was going to say he scored yesterday, but depending on you guys are listening to this, he scored against United when Liverpool beat Man United three one, which is great. Um, but yeah, another academy is um, FC Diambas. Diambas. Um, from Senegal, when that Vieira um, started up. Yeah. So he had um, Idrissa Guy and, uh, is it, I'm going to say Keita that plays for Inter Milan now. Yeah. But those two. But those are good examples of like a good academy structure. And there are those in Africa as well. You have um, Right to Dream in Ghana. Um, the owner of that is now the director of FC Nordschland in Norway. In Norway, yeah. But their academy is is amazing, and one of the one of the issues, actually, that Ari touched on, and on the BBC article, which again is in the link at the bottom for you guys to read, um, Leroy said that one of the problems because of all of these he calls them slave slave merchants, he said the issue in one of the issues in African football is the fact that there is no competition in the lower ages, it's like your under seventeens and the fifteens, which contributes to these rogue agents coming in and just taking up the young guys due to the lack of competition. Do you guys think that's true? Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure what he means by no competition. Like, mm. um, I think like club level. Okay. Because all these academies, I think he's saying that the academies exist, not solely because, but a lot of them exist because in the younger levels for clubs, there's no like league or there's tournament no league, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so there's not like a, a professional development league yeah. or a... Exactly. That, that could be part, that could be very much part of it, but mm. why it's, it's what I think might happen is even if those structures were to exist, it, it to, wouldn't totally stop the problem. The best players would just leave the league earlier. Yeah. Um, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. It, it depends. Some countries have got good structures in regards to their leagues. Um it's just dependent on which country you go to. Mm. Um, there are countries that do it well. I, I, I think them academies that are just off license yeah. um, are the ones which are the major problems. Yeah. You know, yeah, in the UK, you can play football and you can spot a kid in the street and then you say, yeah, I'll take him to Everton. Yeah. You know, you, you do that. Yeah. And it, maybe, it, it, I don't know, there's a, there is a license in place that just allows players just to leave at any age to go to Europe. It's mm. like that. That makes sense. I don't yeah. know if that, make, that no, really no, makes I sense. You. I get you. The thing with the UK, there's going to be a lot more safeguarding. Yeah, a lot yeah, more yeah. Around safeguarding, yeah. So, so to pay the kids to pay, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how. It, I don't know what exactly he meant by that. But. Yeah, I found it not strange, but as Paul said, like you can still have those. You can still have competition those younger ages, 
but it's not going to stop. It may even in, in, increase the amount of guys that are coming in. Yeah. I don't know. You think so? Maybe. Just because of the demand and you actually see how good they are. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, maybe I because... Think be, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I think, think it would be good for, good thing. for yeah. a competition, especially because I think once it's more professional, then um, they become more aware of what's going on, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It's like they may become more aware about who, how... A uh, licensed agent like behaves compared to like one of the rogue ones. Mm. Just no thing to look out for, mm. and maybe they may be more clued up. But as you mentioned before, it's down to education, man. That's such an important bit. Yeah, just workshops yeah. and so forth. I, I but think, then you yeah. can't educate the ones who are not in the academy. I exactly. Anybody else? Well, maybe a suggestion is the those academies need to be shut down. down. Shut down. Well, the, 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 yeah, the roadside the, yeah, ones. Yeah, the roadside ones. And, and I think that's the pivotal thing that like, the yeah. academy shouldn't be existing anyway. Um, without there has to be a certain license for yeah. the academies to operate, and if they are operating, then governments are very strict in Africa for sure when they see things are wrong. You know, mm. um, if they're operating, you've seen it. This is not a licensed academy. Where's your license? This is like anybody anywhere else? Where's yeah. your license to do this yeah. work in regards to whatever business you're doing? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that'll be that should be the, the it's true. Yeah, they they should be shut down. I think the 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 uh, more official academies, if you like, they have a lot more in process. So, I mean, um, I think earlier on this year, I spoke to Shea Olofinjana, who used to play for Nigeria, Wolves, uh, Sheffield... A few teams over there. A few teams over there. Uh, Sheffield United, is it Sheffield United? Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, excuse me, Stoke. So, he's got an academy over in Nigeria called Imperial Soccer Academy. That's it, yeah. Um, One of these guys plays for Liverpool. Well, yeah, he hasn't played for Liverpool. He hasn't played. Tyro Alni. Yeah. yeah. So he's a he's a, he's a striker. He's in Belgium now. Yeah. Yeah. He plays in Belgium. Got a few loans. But we were speaking about the academy, and um, he was saying actually his their model was not to bring over players mm. as, as much as possible to make money. I think maybe Tyro might be one of two players at a stretch that have yeah. actually come over to Europe. But he's the the kind of aim of his academy was to provide players with a lot of education. So if football doesn't work out, actually they have other options. Yeah. So that was one of the main things um, that he was saying to me. Again, I don't know what kind of category his academy would come under. It's not a rogue academy, of course, yeah. but it's not officially branded by or club affiliated yeah. per yeah, se. That's true. So, but you can clearly see, and I'm sure he has paperwork in place that. Um, his kind of motives lie, lie in the right place and mm. that, that's kind of what we would need more of and yeah. to shut down the rogue academies no, I think you're right like because of course on a grander scheme of things like you could put a structure in place in terms of the governing bodies or whoever you want it to be but at the end of the day it depends how you look at these the agents and how you look at these players if you're just seeing them as like commodities or assets then you're not going to give a damn about them yeah. but if you actually see them as like, you know, young, up and coming kids who are willing to sacrifice everything they have, then you're mm. gonna. It all comes down to player care, player welfare, how you actually see them, you know? Because mm. you see them like, if I was grew up in Africa and I had a younger brother and some rogue guys trying to take him, I won't, I won't let that happen. Whereas if you see them as, as a person, mm. then you probably treat them better, you know? You wouldn't let it happen, but you know, yeah. maybe coming from a similar situation, be should be encouraging the guys. Yes, help me get my For brother real. out of here. So that's a ticket. There is some good academies, of course, that, yeah. that are offering like yeah. that for sure. Like um, um, Kaji Academy in Cameroon, which is brought through a range of players. Yeah. And, um, Academy Misikom, which is in um, um, Abidjan in Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. Yeah. Um, so that's. But, you know they are establishing some sense mm-hmm. people yeah. have set up in the purpose yeah. to bring players yeah. to Europe but whatever it is it's a purpose to develop players in that yeah. sense there but I still think the problem the problem is these the players that we're saying and all these other these these academies they're not coming from clubs they're coming from academies or, or who are just on the streets yeah. so maybe the club structures I was saying the club and the leagues yeah. have to do better yeah. and yeah. the league in particular because they're the ones who have control yeah. of the young, the young kids and the scouting system yeah. that are in place um, maybe the FA to work with the league in essence mm-hmm. of providing something that the kids, so w- when somebody sees someone on the streets, you know, spring to the lo- local club academy, you know, so s- something has to be better in place that allows them a connection between the street kids, yeah, that we're yeah. saying, and better the local clubs, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, that puts in a better perspective where when scouts come in place from Europe or whoever comes in place looking for players, they can go look, mm. and they'll come directly to the leagues and come directly to the teams of the league and see what players they have there yeah. mm. rather than looking at these academies that's on the streets 
Majority of these clubs, they're just on majority of these academies we're saying they're just street academies. Like yeah. literally just on the streets, there's no official affiliation of a yeah. football association. Just okay, what academy we might have a UEFA B coach, as we say, or mm, whatever yeah. coach license we have to put them there. So I think that yeah, that, I think that's a, that'd that'd be great. But again, I mean I think a lot of the clubs in, in Africa are academies their priority. It depends what team you go to. It depends to. in terms of what level, but it is it is a uh, common business model. So, I mean, over here, for example, you have you can play you can play for Arsenal under under sevens, under eights, under nines. I don't think there's the re- resource to have that. Okay, for yeah, African I see what you're clubs, saying. Yeah, where there's a pro- kind of progressive up under seven, maybe up until under twenty three, for example. Mm. I don't think you'd find a country That's maybe what Leroy was talking about, actually, just thinking about it when he said yeah. about more competition, younger levels. So to keep them in the clubs. To keep them in the, yeah, in, in the club environment. If you're an, if, I don't know, what, what what age do you think you have to be to play in an African academy? Or do you think there's clubs in Africa that... I mean, obviously, South Africa might be a more advanced model. There might yeah. be, say, more age groups. But for the majority of Africa, do you think there's these group levels? I, I'm not too sure. Are, these, are there that many group levels of academy, or is it? Well, in, in my experience working with Togo and and Guinea, there is Guinea's probably the best producer of players in, on the continent, along with Cameroon, in some sense, through the academy system and players coming through their ranks. So, in that essence, they they are these like you can go to obviously Egypt, amazing facilities. Yeah, there in of course. To, yeah, yeah. In to academies in Congo with TP, a few teams with Vitar and TP, they got an amazing system in regards to the leagues as well and and the, and the young ages as well. Other, other countries that I'm, I'm just speaking of countries that I worked with, yeah. the, one, the ones that haven't, then you know, it's, it's complicated. It's tough. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. lots there's lots of academies, but I don't think they're they have an affiliation with like clubs in that mm. in that country. That, that's, yeah, that's the problem. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. And we, to be fair, look, you have some here as well in the UK. Mm. You know, you have lots of academies that are just obviously now created by players. Now players playing their own academies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Glenn Hoddle as well. Yeah. Jamie Vardy, Jamie Sturridge and so forth. Yeah. Um, they, they're all creating small academy, which is cool. And they're not affiliated to any clubs, but their aim is to get players to sign to clubs, to clubs yeah. which is weird in some sense because the club yeah. should be doing that anyway. But they come yeah. and have a feeder <laughs> for... I think they all, they all kind of have USPs, don't they? So I think yeah. Jamie yeah. Vardy's yeah. one's for lower league players. Glenn Hoddle's one's for guys that for didn't make it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then, so, yeah. What's Sturridge one for? I don't Who know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah. But no, um, that's interesting though. We'll, we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and discuss some more. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Africa Sports Unified and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please do let us know your thoughts. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss or people you want to join us on the podcast, then we'll be keen to know more. Connect with us on social media, AS Unified across all platforms or simply leave a comment. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to say welcome back, but yeah, we're back now. I'm just going to continue our conversation. Um, we're having some good talks off air. Off air, is that a comment? <laughs> off air, offline. Offline. Um, but yeah, so getting straight back into it. Um, so obviously, in the UK, um, we have the PFA, Professional yeah. Footballers Association, right? Yeah. And quite a few of agents, I mean, of players who aren't signed to like an agent or agency. I feel like James Milner, for example, plays for Liverpool. He, the PFA, handle all of his stuff or the real supportive. Yeah. Now, do you guys think, and the PFA, not just in terms of that, but the PFA are good in terms of player welfare and giving yeah. them advice, you know, yeah. uh, pointing them to the right direction for like accountants, lawyers, helping them with housing and all that stuff. So do you think if, we, if the clubs or the countries the national governing bodies in Africa had like a PFA equivalent in their country. Do you think this will help? Absolutely. Like with this, I was going to say epidemic, but with this situation? Um, yeah, I think it would definitely help. Yeah. Um, it would help overall education. People would have more access to education. Yeah. But I don't want to, well, I'll, I'll go back and say the problem is the PFAs probably wouldn't touch these rogue academies. Mm, that's true. So it would help, but maybe the word will be spread um, via an African PFA or mm. whatever. But again, we have to, would that necessarily cure the, the rogue roadside? It, it may not stop it, but it can, maybe, I don't know about the roadside ones, you're yeah. sure, right? Because yeah. if they're not even um, um, taken into consideration by the governing body, then they'll be like... But to be honest, there is no one solution if it's all yeah. for this type of problem. It, it will have to be... Uh, 
collective kind of solutions yeah. to, to fix this epidemic. Yeah. Or you made me use the word epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> this issue. Yeah. Well, it is big, though. It is a big yeah. problem. Yeah. Hey, what do you think? What do you reckon? Um, it, every, I think every country should have a, a PFA system in place. Mm. Not because I'm good friends with Riz. <laughs> because just in general, how they operate and provide opportunities for people within their country. Mm. But um, people in, in the UK, sorry. But with, and I know we're saying Royal Academy, but majority of the players that are transferred to Europe or attempt to be transferred to Europe are over 18. Some of the players that have played, if I look at it in retrospective, mm. some of the players that have um, are playing in these Royal Academies, as we're saying, um, have actually played in, sometimes in academies, in the clubs, because they leave at 16 years old, yeah. majority of the time. Mm-hmm. So in some essence, tapping into them early age yeah. because they will end up being on the streets aiming to transfer to over to Europe when they pass the because they invest all their time at the age of 16 prior yeah. to play in Europe you know or, or play for, for their local team whatever team it is that, yeah. that they support and then if they don't make it then they'll look for a, a local street academy and then yeah. considering that they're the best in that street academy that they yeah. find they'll transfer over to, oh, okay. to, transfer over to Europe yeah. so in essence of having you know, the PFA, yes, a PFA system where there's workshops and education guidance for young people. Mm. You have to start a, start a very, very, very young age. Yeah. Even on the Rose Academy, there's, a, there's a, another certain academies in um, the scholar ones, the schoolers, whether it's, I forgot the name of it, in Togo. You've got kids from the age of seven to the age of um, 16, you know, you can go into them. They're official, them ones, you know. Canal done a brilliant documentary about them. And they've done documentaries about sports in general in the country, yeah. but that academy in particular. And yes, okay, it's okay, them kind of academies, I understand, you know, if kids are young and so forth, mm. and they don't work for kids that are older, but you have to tap into that, them kind of academies that are working with kids at a young, very young age, prior, uh, prior 18 or prior 16, before they leave the official club academy to go on the streets. Because after the club academy, how many players make it? Yeah. In the UK, it's only like 0.1%, whatever mm. it is. Imagine... Well, Africa, majority, a lot of players do make it because, again, it is their model, as we discussed. Yeah. So a lot of players, but not everyone makes it. It's not seventy-five percent of the of the academy yeah. players make it, and that and yeah, it might yeah. be, it might be, might be twenty percent of the players make it. You know, um, but then yeah, it's it's complicated. It is a complicated system, but you have to tap into it at a very young age. Maybe talk about parents. I'm I'm, I'm talking about the essence of advertisement on on TV. Just saying, look, when people approach you about going to Europe. Ask them for your documents. Ask mm. them for paperwork. Ask them have they got a FIFA mm. license badge? You know, have they got? Um, where's their proof? Where's the letter of invitation? There needs to be to e- even on like the uh, the the governing body's website. Like they should have a list of like vetted agents. You know, that mm. people. Or, it's tough because yeah. yeah, anyone can be an agent. Right? Yeah, it's true. But, but now you just said that it's like. Actually, advertising is a, is a great idea. Mm. Have a helpline or a, or a mm. centre whereby yeah. you know you can say for every yeah. every time you've been approached to by an agent to say come to yeah. Europe, actually call this helpline first or go to this place yeah. first, yeah. And, and you know talk to these people who will call the the club that has sent this request for yeah, invitation. Mm. And, you see know, if it's real. Yeah, see yeah. if it's real. So yeah. so yeah, everyone uses WhatsApp in Africa. WhatsApp for is like WhatsApp is, 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 thing. is like a, a centre. You can get news on WhatsApp. People update you every hour on yeah. news. Some news companies do that. So you know, if if there's something that where people can just tap into. Where they where they can get any assistant from the from the FA or the league to say, look, I had this guy approach me and he's saying that he wants to take me abroad. Mm. If the if the if the league or the countries in general care about their citizens, you know they'll put it's, it's little things that you can put in place. It doesn't have to be yeah. too expensive in, in regards to PFA as we're saying. But as Paul mentioned, just them kind of essence of helpline, you know, where people can just find information where they can go and you know what, what they can do prior yeah. someone or yeah. when somebody approaches them or something. And actually, because. The, the kind of the slave trade, if you like. I'm not sure I like I'm not sure I like the term slave the trade. Slave trade Thinks, I don't know, it's a bit harsh. Um but anyway, because these things have happened, I'm sure that there are people back home who are aware of these things that actually when they are approached they wanna they themselves want to make sure actually I heard about yeah. so and so's brother or so and so's cousin who went there and actually he ended up XYZ. So mm. So I'm sure you know they, they, they'll be able to be yeah, exactly word of mouth. They'll be a willingness to make sure that everything is okay uh, before being sent abroad. Indeed, um, in the BBC article, um, Leroy said it is necessary to reorganise football in Africa 
from the quality of the pitch, the quality of the coaches, the educators. He also mentioned that a way to try and overcome this, I can say epidemic again, to overcome this problem is by having young African educators, especially in the youth leagues. So if this was to happen, guys, like young African educators, do you think, again, this would try and um, stem this um, this problem? Yeah. I mean, young African educators, I think they... I think they should probably come from ex-pros, to be honest. Ex-pros or current pros, even. Um, Someone who the people will respect. Um, Someone who maybe has been through a bad situation and people who have been through good situations so they can tell them this is what to look for, this is what not to look for. Mm. Um, Those will have to be the the educators, people who don't have an ulterior motive uh, at hand and who better than to, to tell future African footballers and current and past African footballers. Yeah, people they look up to, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Agree. That definitely help. Um, so with what's happened in terms of um, this, I don't know, I don't want to call it slave trade, but yeah. I will call it slave trade. It, now, is, it, is, it, is, it is and it isn't. Well, with this problem that's happening, yeah. with this exploitation of talent, yeah. do you think this... Um, do you think this adds... Because there's an article on the ASU website that Paul actually wrote about um, players moving to China and also... Um, players moving to China and also recently as well, the Cameroon manager, Seydorf, although he changed his mind, when he first got the job, he mentioned that about players who are in China. He didn't explicitly say it, but he basically said they won't, or they won't necessarily be picked for the team. And similar to... Um, there's another article on the website about the talent drain but guys who were born and raised in Africa, but then represented different different nations. So, for example, uh, Francis Abukwelu represented Portugal. There are these two young Kenyan athletes who represent um, Bahrain. There's quite a few African yeah. athletes that represent um, countries from the Middle East. But do you think this um, adds to it? I know it may seem a bit far-fetched in terms of oh, how can some exploitation of talent coincide with... Africans represent different countries. Yeah. Do you guys think there's a possibility there, um, or a link? There could there could well be a link. Mm. Um, again, it probably depend on your circumstance, the yeah. country you come from, because again, if you are coming from poverty, you're you you want the good life or the better life. So you might well be aware actually. Once I get to this country, yeah. I'll have better facilities if I, if I represent this country. Um, I'll have better chances of being globally recognized if yeah. I go to this country um I think it do, it does help uh you know that if you go to China my, there, there's probably African athletes who simply their end goal might be go to, might be to go to China yeah because they know actually that's very lucrative they've seen a whole heap of African footballers go out there to to China so that might be their end goal might not necessarily be the Premier League mm. and and again anything being said to them that kind of helps them believe their dream or get towards their dream, it, it will definitely help. And, and I can't, and I think we can't um, neglect the fact about um, just like how things are, like mm. conditions and stuff like that, you know? Um, so if they're raised in poverty, don't have yeah. much, like you mentioned, a chance to go to China, yeah. even though some of us in Europe we're a bit arrogantly being like, why are you going there? Yeah. These guys are probably think, look, I just want to get a, just yeah. want to get a check. big, yeah. big check. Send I can go back, send money to my family, yeah. invest stuff over there, you know? Um, yeah. And so, sorry to go back to it, but Leroy's point about competition, uh, yeah. it, it does make sense. Yeah, yeah. it does. It's, it's, it's like, if you have a child at an academy here in the UK and you say, actually, we want to take you to Germany to go to an academy, they're not going to be as quick to go to Germany mm. because actually it's the competition here is okay, yeah. the development here is okay. But yeah. in, say, Africa, I don't want to be so general, but say an African country, you you want to go as soon as possible. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, you've got your home comforts, it's a good league, mm. um, you kind of know the pathway, like yeah. You're not as uh, eager to go as, yeah. say, you would be elsewhere. And touching on that, I mean, so far we've been mentioning about, okay, player A moving from Africa to Europe. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever get to a stage where that narrative will change from player A wanting to just be the best player and stay in Africa? Well, Lekin Bappe. 
Is that a case there? Well, obviously, they wanted me to do it, but they had no offer. But yeah, in the S, I think that one is just everyone wants to make as much money as possible. Yeah, that's what it is. Like and prolong your career as well. If you're old, yeah, you might. If you see money from a club like mm. Ali or mm. or TP yeah, or Suns Down or Orlando <laughs> Paris, you might want to prolong your career and go to Africa. Yeah, you know. I don't know if Steven Pina went back and played in South Africa. He did, he did. Yeah. yeah, so in that essence, you know, you... He's at the tail end of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally. So yeah. You, you go back in that essence there, but in the, in the prime of your career, where the, where's the money and, mm. you know, where's, where's the competition and so forth? Yeah. I mean, so, I think the question is, generally speaking, obviously some people might say yes, some people, most people I think will say no, but is, can you ever even be the best player in the world if you play in Africa? In African League, yeah. And that's what it is. And, but I think even, obviously... <laughs> George, I mean, Roger Miller, like, before, when he's playing for, when he's playing for Cameroon, yeah. he's World Player of the Year. He was in Africa. Yeah. You know, in essence like that. Um, so, it's, it's finding something that, with our national teams, to have some pride, obviously, we've got a long mm. way for, well, our national team might do good, but the league might do crap. Yeah. 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 You know, the, the national team of Ghana in 2010 was amazing. Yeah. Um, when they went to the semi-court finals. And yeah. the, But their league wasn't, that yeah. there's, there's yeah. no team that wins the Champions League from mm. Ghana in, a, in, a, in, a, in many years. Yeah, or the Club World Cup. Exactly. Like that, yeah. You might have okay, occasion with okay, El Ali and Egypt, good yeah. national team, good league and so forth like that. Um, and it's, it's a few fetch countries, mm-hmm. you know, where you have good leagues and good national, national teams. Yeah. So maybe when a league and national team is yeah. combined to be one, like in regards to good league mm. and national teams, a player might see the investment there and yeah. see the, uh, and, and the, I don't know, the Ballon d'Or might see something there as well mm. and say, okay, we'll go we'll, we'll in that essence there. But I until mean, our leagues yeah. develop, our leagues are more important than our national leagues, I think. Yeah. Our leagues are very important to developing the national team yeah. in some sense. But we don't, there's no, there's no, there's more concentration and there's more um, awareness in regards to the national team rather yeah. than the leagues. Yeah. So, and there is a food chain, like, because even if you think of South, South America, huge amount of talent, but, Maybe apart from Pele, of course. Did Zico come to Europe? I'm not sure. But no. loads of the players in the prime, as you mentioned, yeah. Ari, they always come to Europe because Europe has seemed to be the money. where the money is. Yeah. Obviously China, but, you know, lifestyle and all that yeah. stuff. Quite a lot of their players from Africa and South America really come here. So maybe a bit of familiarity. And it's where the creme de la creme is, you know. Champions yeah. League, everyone talks about it. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. In Brazil, if you go to Brazil and you ask a Bra- a, an average Brazilian who the best Brazilian player is ever, they probably tell you Zika. Yeah. They, they, I found that anyway. They, everyone told me Zika. But again, the thing is, I think we've kind of had this conversation before maybe, but comparing African and South American markets, actually, what you find is a lot of South American players, I mean, they do want to come to Europe, but a lot... Are, well, are they actually, know they want to go back. Like, there's yeah. a affiliation with them. And some of them are actually happy to yeah. to, to play. You get... We some, kill me. Look at we kill yeah, me. Yeah, kill yeah. me. Yeah. You've got... Uh, Tevez, Quintero, who's a young player at the moment. He's played in Europe, but doesn't really like it. Yeah. He's gone back to... To South America, um, again, if it if it doesn't work out, they're quite happy to be mm. in to be in South America. Um, something that came to my head a bit earlier was actually I know it's slightly off topic, but I know we were talking about players going to Europe. But what about African players going to play in the Middle East or even in the North African countries? <laughs> Do we think there is a Ahmed Musa? Well, yeah, Ahmed Musa <laughs> from Nigeria. But I think what I've heard is I've heard African well. Asimogian too. Asimogian, he's done it. But African players, uh, black African players, often are mistreated in mm, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in those countries. We, yeah. we had the three transfers we tried to complete, but it just is it's who again is who the agents are, I think, and who the team is. And there are some good teams, like in, obviously, particularly the destination is always yeah. Egypt um, and Morocco as well. Yes, they do get mistreated, but again, it's who the agents and who who, who the clubs are. I think mm. it's fair. To, it's, it's unfair to say that um, that because I, I, I don't know, not, I don't say everyone's bad in in, in those countries. Of course, there yeah. are very good agents in, in Egypt that are trying to that do try to develop. And the money that you see in Egypt is more than you'll see in mm, of course in, yeah. in Guinea, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more than you see in Togo. Yeah. you know, for average team. Um, so when they go to Egypt, so some of these players, they really think that they really made it, some of them already. Yeah. But some agents try to tell them, this is a pathway for you, you're a great talent and so yeah. you can make it to go to Europe. We got, you know, But some players don't see beyond that as well. They really see Egypt as the 
you know, I'm I'm 21 years old. I'm getting a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but no, it's true. Yeah, so some players do get mistreated. You're right. Some players do get mistreated. And, and I wonder if some like the same promises happen. So an agent might come and say, actually, we'll take you to Egypt, and actually you get to Egypt, no, and exactly. it's yeah, it's not it's not yeah. great. You're in a bad situation. Maybe even worse than you would be if you mm. were in Europe. Actually, it is sad. It is sad. But and I think I just think it's also known as how. Like if, as, as I mentioned at the start, if you look through history, Africa has always been the uh, the place for for exploitation, exploitation yeah. labor, our resources, and we still see it with with football now. Um, not mean to say that players don't really just want to go to Europe or whatever and get payday. That's fine, but we see the majority, maybe South America too, but the majority of the world come to Africa to 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 get these players at a very cheap price. They use them yeah. for the benefit of the club. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but you can see similarities that's happened. Um, and I want to say as well, like, it's a long way. As I mentioned, there's like levels to this in terms of food chain and whatnot. Well, levels into to the development. But the talent and the opportunity is, is, is there in Africa. You have, you have the players, but we just need to get things in place, infrastructure, yeah. and especially as well with um, like culture and how we value sport. Speaking to a few people around the continent, they they say that sport is seen as just a, a hobby, like they don't take it seriously. Like I know for myself, you know, like growing up playing football is even nope. You're going to church or nope. You're going to study. I don't know. I speak to people on the continent and say it's a mentality thing about how they see how they see sports. So in terms of like sports business on the continent, it's still in its infancy compared to different um, other continents around the world. Yeah. But the opportunity is there. It just takes a few people to come together with the same mentality and realising the opportunities of sports business and make it grow. Yeah. And you never know, you know? I'm not here saying if you're African, stay in Africa. No, <laughs> man, live your life, go and travel. I mean... Earn your money, do what you got to do, but it's just about just need to take care of these young guys. Indeed, yeah. Welfare. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I think I really touched on it. Let me just ask it anyway. What do you think the mentality of Africans are towards ourselves and does this feed into this whole going to Europe or Middle East or China? Um, that's, that's an interesting in regards question. to sports or just in, I think I think this is a, big enough than sport in general. In the, in the global scale. Because uh, that's the not continent the, scale. Sorry. Yes, continent scale because obviously we're talking about this exploitation of football but recently in what was it last year or earlier this year you know Libya the whole human trafficking thing and this, yeah. all the players were doing the sign I forgot what the sign was, but all the players were, made, were raising awareness, you know, when they scored or whatever on the pitch. Like, do you think that's anonymous? Like, maybe the mentality that Africans have, or just yeah. just what is it? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's actually quite clear it, in general. Whenever you, if you think of um, an American product, and a European product, an African product, mm. subconsciously you already you already think that African product is, is the weakest, or yeah. that's just kind of like the way we're all kind of. I don't want to say brainwash, but the kind of our what what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's the way our society's like yeah, the way we're kind of taught, or Africans are are poorer or yeah. less educated than or always always in need of aid. Exactly, always in need of aid. Yeah. So I think that it does have an effect. Like Europe is always going to be better mm. for for some people, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's a. Yeah, for me, they're, they're, all, they're all interlinked in terms of just the mentality, especially amongst Africans themselves, towards what they have. And that's not necessarily their fault, but if you look at the, you know, just standards of living, you know, yeah. healthcare and whatnot, yeah. maybe a lot of their families are dependent on someone, so if they see some opportunity for football, or playing sport in general, they're going to jump, they're going to jump at it, not just for themselves, but for their family, for you know. Family, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely synonymous, man. Uh, well, in regards to, I don't know. In regards to, in football, uh, I can say um, there are leagues, and for players transferring, there are leagues that players are, well, and clubs that players look in particular where they want to go to. Yeah. In Africa and the continent, um, there are clubs that players know that are going to give them a good life a little bit, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, a great opportunity, um, particularly in obviously South Africa for sure, and Egypt and. Maybe a few teams here and there in Cameroon and so forth, um, but I don't. I don't think obviously they know 
the the ultimate dream is to be in Europe. Yeah, you yeah. know, because they know the brand of Real Madrid. Yeah, uh, but that, it, it sits where it sits in, in the media as well because of the course. media in Africa, not the media just here, yeah. but the media in Africa was like, for example, in in in, in Togo, the league of Togo league will probably show less than the the league in France. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, Ligon will be more sh- shown than shown in um, in Togo than that one. Same with Burkina Faso. Same with all the countries I've been to. Like mm-hmm. it's evident they will show. Kano sport is there for example. Yeah. yeah. You know, even the countries that have super sports. Super sports, yes, they show the leagues of the of the countries that, that, that they're in. But then you will have so much stuff so much and, and information on the Premier League so and course, so much yeah. information on on um, the interviews of the Premier League and so forth and. It doesn't really help the element of trying to create a culture yeah. in regards to people buying into the product of African mm-hmm. football and sports, mm-hmm. and even that development of the the sports within within a country as well. Yeah. You know, so that's the essence of it was was always as a counter yeah. thing where the, the country was in in one in assisting that development of the league. Yep. You know, and also the, the yes yes. For sure, the league and the clubs, for sure, they have to be better in operations as well. Yeah. Not indicating that they are the best running thing. Mm-hmm. But no, no, no was the Premier League in the 1980s yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. Like, they had problems as well. Everyone had problems before. So, yeah. is we, we can get there. And just about making sure that operations is, is, is conducted properly by a 360 hook yeah. of everyone that's involved. involved. Everyone that's media, involved. Media, so. everyone. The sport, yeah. sponsors, media. Yeah. Just having a, uh, yeah, on the same page about K. Even though... We can invest in like international rights and whatnot, mm. but we need to invest in local sports and build yeah. that up. Yeah, and media will play for sure. Like we know, seventy five percent of the income within the UK and and, and Europe is, is is the media coverage mm. for these clubs. Yeah. Imagine now seventy five percent. The clubs really suffer, like they really suffer in Africa if it's not for FIFA's money. You know, a lot of them they find it hard to operate. Mm. And I know a league I'm working right now. They don't earn no money for broadcasting. That's broadcast for free just to get some coverage so they can promote itself yeah. to gain some money. So you know, let's find a structure in regards to how can we put a league in, put your make your league, you know, an attractive, yeah, product. Yeah. attractive product for people to buy. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, obviously, yes, you got football and so forth. Yeah, it's just playing. It's like playing football in the park in reality. But how can we make it in the essence that these broadcasters are now going to compete to buy your league? Yeah, you know. Mm. So that, that's a. Uh... There's actually an article on the website about that. Gary Rathbone wrote about that. Yeah. But it's been an issue Gary's for a great friend. Yeah. It's been an issue for so long. But um, guys, this I can go on talking, but don't want to make it too long. <laughs> but guys, it's been great. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And guys, when we say leave a comment and engage, we really want to hear what you guys think. Let us know comments about the topics and just any ideas or any thoughts that you guys have. Then don't there's hesitate. A, if there's any topics you think we should cover also, please... Suggestions are welcome. Yeah. Any feedback at all. <laughs> but guys, thank you for your time and for listening to our previous podcast. And again, thanks to Ari and Paul for taking thank time you, out. You. But um, it's been a great topic and you'll hear from us soon. See you guys. <laughs> Happy holidays.